This is a new norm for many of us. This is a new norm for many of us. And so, and so this morning, I mean, I really wanted to preach this silly. I just wanted to preach some really just, just make you holler, holler type silly preaching. But I said, you know, today I really want to leave something that you can take home, something you can ponder upon, something that uh, you, you can use uh, tomorrow morning, if not this evening. And so in the book of Acts, when I think about home life, the first thought came to mind was a man named Cornelius uh, and his household there uh, near the sea of, 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 of uh, Caesarea, or, or uh, Caesarea, which had been on the coast of the Mediterranean. And I want to take a real quick snapshot look at what home life might have been for Cornelius 2,000 years ago and uh, what home life looks for you right now. Because one thing's for sure, we're all at home. One thing's for sure for my friends right now, you are at home, right? Um, many of you all are working from home, right? Never thought we'd see a day where so many people are working from home. Some of you all have had more conference calls in the last two weeks than you've had in a lifetime. In fact, in these last three or four days, a lot of people have had a hard time getting on conference calls because the phone lines are jammed. You know, I'm not here to talk about stocks and bonds and how to invest and what not to invest in, but hey, listen, there are some companies that are soaring because of this season we're in. Now, I thought, okay, one, two, three weeks at most, and life will be back to normal. But friends, this is the new normal probably for the next few months. And if you're kind of still got your eyes closed, holding your breath, you know, just kind of passing time, you may be in for a surprise. We're going to be here for a while. And my goal today is to leave you with two, if not three, or maybe even four, really solid objectives of what you can be doing in this time and in your home. Okay? Now, I do recognize that there are some industries that are still moving forward. They don't have to really abide by the six-foot social distancing rules just by nature. Buildings are still being built. Construction is still going on. There are certain industries that probably won't miss a beat in this season. But for the rest of us, one way or another, this is going to have an impact. And this is going to force many of us to re-engineer and to rethink what it is that we're doing. In fact, let's go to Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 1. Acts 10 in verse 1, uh, at, at Caesarea, there was a man by the name Cornelius. Now, the Bible says that he was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. You know the story. He and his family were devout. He and all his family were devout, and they were God-fearing. Let's look closely at Cornelius. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those who were in need, and he prayed to God regularly. And he prayed to God regularly. Now, one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. Someone say vision. Okay? Uh, he distinctly saw an angel of God who came and joined and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. And the question was asked, what is it, Lord? And the angel answered, and here's what the angel said to Cornelius. He says, your prayers and your gifts to the poor. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering, as a memorial offering before God. Now, let's not rush through that thought. I want you to visualize that with me. How awesome 
This scene must have been 2,000 years ago. How phenomenal, how much awe, shock, the aura, the, the, the essence of that, that, that atmosphere must have been. Cornelius was minding his own business. Wasn't nobody bothering him, and he wasn't bothering nobody. But as his regimen was, as his custom was, he, 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 he was God-fearing. He, he, he was a devout man. His, his family was devout. And they had a pretty decent household. But out of nowhere, an angel appears and says, hey, God wants to communicate something to you. I think you know where I'm going. In this season, many of you all will hear more from heaven than you would have ever heard the last 20 years combined. You know why? Because you're forced to slow down. There are no movies, no games, no family reunions, no airplanes to catch, no Greyhound bus to ride. You're in a season. I mean, how many times this week have I said, you know what, uh, this is madness. Let me, let's just go out to eat. You can't go nowhere to go out to eat. Right? You get on the elevator and somebody's coughing, and it doesn't hurt that it's pollen season. Every time somebody sneezes, I, I do a double take. Right? Somebody's sniffling. You just, all right, praise the Lord. This is a tremendous, unorthodox, unparalleled, unprecedented season. I mean, if you're too busy for the Lord in this season, you're just too busy, period, and something's wrong. God has a way of taking away the busyness to put you back into understanding of his will. In fact, let's get started. I want to I talk about this, okay? Now, I've already given you my COVID-19 coronavirus statement. Again, please know, please know that the only reason we wanted to open the doors of the church is that if you wanted a personal in-the-temple experience, we're not here to prove how big our faith is to anybody. I just want to be amongst the saints of God. This is why I don't like doing a lot of social media. I see everybody hanging out, having a good time. Man, we, we riding over here. Man, we going over there. Man, we going to go and do this. We going to go and do that. And then come Sunday morning, I, maybe we should play it safe and stay home. You know, so, oh, yeah, so I, I don't want to get distracted with a lot of those things. But at the same time, at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm talking to pastors. I'm saying, pastors, are we going to believe this book that we preach? Are we really going to honor the book that we, we say we believe in and preach, right? And so there's a balance there that we have to heed to. At the same time, may the church be responsible. I found myself talking to a couple of pastors this past week. I said, Pastor, listen, you know what? This is not the time to play it safe and just ride out the storm. This could be a very opportunistic time for the church. And I know many of you all are probably not as, you know, big deal as it is for me. This is what I do. I'm, this, is what I, this is how I live. This is my calling. This is my passion. But I think that in your home, there are some things you can mirror that can bring some significance to your home, okay? Instead of the church fighting each other, well, they close their church. They don't walk by faith. I don't know why they open in the first place. There's no time to criticize them. But for the church that wants to open and just, you know, provide services to the community and have a, a worship experience, there's no, no need to criticize them. Well, they don't care about the people. They're harming people and putting them in harm's way all because of well, pride. Well, there's no time to score. Here's what the time is to do. The time for churches is to embrace the community. I'm going to have, I have to have by a mandate from heaven, not from the government, but by a mandate from heaven, 
I'm going to put in together right now a, a I'm just going to call it a COVID-19 city task force team. A city task force team. Okay? And on this team, and we'll have our first call within the next 48 hours, our first video conference in the next 48 hours. I really want to engage some of the younger people of the church to run errands for some of the older people of the church. Task force team. We had a lot of young men and young women who got driver licenses. And they're just sitting at home playing uh, video games and, and doing uh, social media. I, I'd like for some of them to uh, partner up and say, hey, mother so-and-so, can we go get some groceries for you? And, you know, mother so-and-so going to have to get the money, but, uh, you know, he doesn't get the money. But I, I don't mind running an errand for you. Hey, Deacon so-and-so, we really don't want you at the house right about now, but if I can go pick up your meds for you, I, I don't mind doing those things. A task force team. Small groups has always been a luxury. Here's what I'm telling pastors all over the country. Small groups have always been a luxury, kind of take it or leave it. But I think now we're in a very critical hour where everyone needs some type of accountability. And what I mean by accountability is not so much where are you, are you giving, and are you supporting the church. This accountability says, how are you doing in your home? How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing emotionally? Do you have any needs of anything? Okay. Uh, let, me, let me look real close. Okay. I made a statement online this week said, when white America catches a cold, black America gets pneumonia. And one of my white buddies who I played football with in high school, he hit me up and said, hey, what do you mean by all that? Hadn't had time to answer him, but I am going to answer him. Just hadn't had time to respond to him yet. Oftentimes, when America goes through a crisis, think about Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans. Think about some of the crises as of recent. You know, the airlines get bailouts. The banks get their bailouts, corporations get bailouts, but the church doesn't get any bailouts. And oftentimes we are on the front line of crisis and community. Oftentimes we're the ones opening up when no one wants to open up with liability to feed or to shelter or to help, okay? When we don't have food in our own, grocery, uh, in our own kitchens, we're locating food for other people. Sometimes, unfortunately, churches can't pay their own bills, but we'll help, help others pay their bills. But there's no bailout. It'd be nice to get a little bit at half a trillion or two trillion or half a billion or whatever's coming down the pipe. But that probably is not going to happen. But here's what happens. God's hand of favor. Somehow or another. We don't know how it went anywhere. But somehow God, we never see the righteous forsaken, nor the seed beg for bread. And so the church is oftentimes at the front road and the front lines of helping other people. Now, I say that to say this. I'm, I'm putting together a task force. I want to take this online ministry to the next level because we may be here for a while, and we may be to a point this time this week where we all are online, and I'm not dumb to think that I'm the only game in town. Right? You got a thousand preachers right now online, thousand church services, online. You can sit back like you're at the flea market and pick your fancy. And I think that if the church, I'm talking city church now, that if we're going to do whatever we do, let's do it well. Let's do it with excellence. Let's make a statement. Okay? Funny thing, you, you, many of y'all won't know this, but city church, aka, oh no, formerly known as University City Church, formerly known as, I think, Full Gospel Fellowship Church, right? We were one of the first churches to stream about 15 years ago. 
at Old Concord Road. We were one of the first churches. In fact, the gentleman's name, Rodney Sampson, out of Atlanta. He owned a company called Streaming Faith. You know how much that was? $1,500 a month. $1,500 a month to stream. I remember clearly, because it was an exorbitant price to pay, but no one was doing it. And so for people who travel, and they, they would give you little metrics, and they would show you on a global map all of the people who were watching you from different countries. You'd get a printout at the end of the week or the end of the month. I mean, it was hot, but it was expensive. And slowly but surely, other services came involved, other uh, uh, businesses came involved, and now streaming is pretty much virtually free for anybody who wants to stream. And if you don't feel like going through a service, you can put your phone up and stream on Facebook Live and YouTube Live for free. So we've always tried to be a step ahead and now is not the season to play safe, lay back, and just ride this thing out. So that task force team will, how do we engage more online? How do we minister to the needs of people online? Somebody could be sick in their home and say, I really wish somebody would come pray for me. Guess what? Bible says in the book of James, if any man's sick, let him call for the elders. Even in COVID-19, we're going to need an elder too. To put a mask on, put some gloves on, spray himself down and go lay hands on the sick. Kind of oxymoronic, I think. Yeah, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Okay? There could be a family who's probably at the very end of the groceries they have in their cupboard. Can the church make a difference? This task force team, we want to make sure that everybody is covered and everyone is followed up on. So it's going to be a work. I'm going to need some of you as volunteers to say, hey, I can help in the front office. I can help with databases. I can help when it comes to updating cars. I can help when it comes to multimedia. You know what? I've got some time off. I'm working from home. I've got some flexibility. I can help run some errands. We're going to need that help because we think that in this type of season, when things are really, really, really bad for the world, that the church is finding its opportunity and our. Let's get to work. Now, I talked a lot about the church. Let's talk about what should I be doing in a season such as this? What should be my focal point and my focus? Then we'll close this a little bit with Acts chapter 10. Uh, I've asked you to seek the facts. We've talked about being precautious. We talked about the value of small groups. I do want to encourage you to remain faithful in your giving and being faithful in your, in your stewardship. I, 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 don't, I don't know how long we're going to be in this season and in this predicament, but obviously if you look around, it's certainly not the crowd we would normally have if we didn't have this type of uh, season that we're in. And so it's going to be very critical, not just for our church, but boy, these are really trusting but trembling times for a lot of churches. Again, we will not have the fortune of the government saying, take this injection of money and let this help you get back to where you need to be. My heart breaks and my heart is very concerned for churches. That's really awesome. Your faithfulness and your giving, your stewardship, can yet make a difference. Again, I've talked a lot about ministry from church to community. On this task force, I'm asking questions. Hey, do you have any ideas? How do you think we can be more relevant, more real in a time such as this? I don't know everything. I don't have all of the answers, but collectively there's synergy among us. And when there's synergy among us, someone has a revelation. Someone has an idea. Someone's done some research and we come together and say, here's how we can make the biggest impact with what we have to work with. And I'm praying and believing God for this type of uh, uh, impact to be made. Last, here's what we do. We pray for revival. We pray for revival. And when I say pray for revival, I'm not looking just at a corporate revival that sweeps the land. 
When we use the word revival, many times we think about the 1970s and the 80s and the 90s where there were three and four and five and two and six and eight weeks consecutive services and people were storming the altar. No, revival really begins in the home. I want to take the last few minutes of this message and I want to talk about revival in the home. That's the aim today. I'm not studying the numbers. I don't know who's online today. I don't know who's not online. But whoever's listening today, something miraculous can happen in this season. I had an epiphany this week and said, you know what, wait a minute, time out. Something good is going to come out of all of this for the church. I talked to a pastor friend of mine and said, hey, something good is going to come out of this for the church. But the church has to make a decision. And friends, you have to make a decision. Am I just going to pass the time, ride it out, or are there some tangible principles and things I can do in this season? to make things happen, okay? Let me talk about prayer just for a moment. I'm gonna ask my wife to come lead us in a congregational prayer. I'm gonna ask the musicians to prepare themselves and, and uh, let's just take a moment to go before heaven in prayer, then I'll close out. Why is prayer so essential in this season? You know why? Because you wouldn't pray in any other season, you're too busy. And for those of us that do pray, oh man, sometimes it's the fastest, quickest prayers we've ever prayed in our entire life, because we're busy. We got We've got jobs to do. We've got assignments to complete. We've got kids to take care of. We've got spouses to take care of. I mean, we're busy. But in this season, we look not only at our home and at our family, but now we're saying, God, what are you saying in this hour to the world? My wife and I, we're watching, uh, I don't, we're watching something last night on TV, uh, uh, one of the news channels. And I said, Sharon, unlike the bubonic plague, and unlike a lot of the ancient world quote-unquote diseases that, 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 that dominated over the years. This is different because of the airline travel industry. So you're not just looking at a problem in, in China or a problem in Africa or a problem in South America. This is an international pandemic. The very thing we use as a luxury to travel has become the key agent and the carrier of this disease. This is not isolated to the Western Hemisphere or the Eastern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere. This thing is global. And that's what really, really should get your attention is saying, God, the very technology is used to, to, to make the world smaller is the very technology that, unfortunately, this disease has gone viral all over the world. I pray, we pray that we've seen the worst of it and it's slowly but surely dying down, but we're not quite too sure. Could it be that God is getting our attention? The question that has been asked time and time again, did God create the virus? No, he doesn't create sickness. No, he doesn't create disease. No, he doesn't create darkness or death. But because he's God allows these things, because as a, as a reminder and a reiteration that, that, that Satan, the devil, the little God of this world still has influence. And there is a spiritual war, a cultural war, and there's a war that you and I live in. And again, we are pilgrims passing through. Many of us right now, not, not, not just are we fearful, but we're fidgety. And we're fidgety, or excuse me for that word, is because we're so used to being in love with our worldly routines. And I said last week, no bigger sports fan than me. I've traveled, you travel. We got a whole lot going on, a lot of things to do. But man, when the world comes to a screeching halt, 
it will really cause you to think what is really, really major and supposed to be minor in my life. So if there's never been a time for the church to pray, now's the time to pray. What should we pray for? Number one, let's pray for the people who are losing loved ones. How about that? That's a good start. Let's pray for the bereaved, those who are who are dealing with, you know, now it's getting a little home now. We, we, we met with our daycare staff this week and come to find out one of the ladies' father has the COVID virus here in Charlotte, quarantine. Others who have family members, now it's no longer Northern Italy, now it's no longer China, now it's no longer the state of Washington. This bad boy is in Mecklenburg County, okay? Let's pray for those families. Let's pray that God would, would give men and wisdom the, 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 the wisdom to create the vaccination that's needed and hurt, get to these homes and test kits. That's how we can pray. Let's pray that more people will be sensitive to realize that God is God. Our Father, we are the sheep of his fold. Okay? Let's pray for our own family members. I don't know the numbers about unemployment, but obviously you and I both know it skyrocketed. Think about the unemployed. Think about those that it ain't going to be but so long. The money runs out. The resources run out. The unemployment line, the food stamp line, or whatever people need their resources, those lines are about to grow. And how many times have we said over the last few years, many of us, honestly, we're just one paycheck away from being in outreach, not volunteering and serving, but receiving. This is real, and it's going to be real. So if there's ever been a time to present Christ, Now's the time. If there's ever been a time to pray and seek the face of God, now is the time. I want to take a moment and just lead you in, 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 in a congregational prayer. We can't join hands. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar, but I will ask you to stand just right where you're at. Just stand with me. And, and please allow my wife to come and just lead us in a time of prayer. Once again, we, we won't be able to join hands, and we're going to encourage you not to you know, hug and cry and weep all over each other. But God is faithful. And he's a big God. And right where he's at in heaven, he can hear your prayer. Okay? Let's pray. Heads about and eyes are closed. Father, we give you glory on and praise on today, oh God. You are Lord, and besides you, there is no other God. You are the I am God. Whatever we need you to be, oh God, that's what you are to us, oh God. Lord, we lift your name on high today, oh God. We thank you for this time in your presence, oh God. Those who are even watching online, oh God. Those who are watching on their cell phones, oh God. Lord, we just thank you, oh God, for us coming together, oh God. And Lord, to exalt your name today, oh God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, oh God. Lord, I thank you, oh God, because this didn't catch you back. By surprise. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Nothing catches you off guard. You are God by yourself, oh God. You're in control, oh God. What looks uncontrollable, God, yes. you are in control of everything. Lord, I speak peace yes, yes. in this house today. I speak I peace over social media that I speak your peace oh God your peace that surpasses all understanding you said we're going our hearts and our minds God our hearts and our minds oh God in the name of Jesus Lord in you we put our trust oh God in you oh God we put our trust oh God Lord we thank you oh God for being saved today we thank you oh God for being safe in your arms saved oh God Hallelujah. Safe, oh God, saved and safe, oh God. 
because we trust you, oh God. Lord, you are God. You are in control, oh God. And we just thank you for this moment in time. Lord, what is dark in the world is light to the Christian, oh God. Because we thank you, God, because this is a time of miracles, oh God. This is a time for your name to be exalted, oh God. This is a time we call those things that are not as though they are, oh God. This is a time we lift your name, oh God. Hi, oh God. Those who are in doubt, oh God. We thank you for causing us to speak faith in this hour, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for causing us to speak those things and call those things that are not as though they were God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you will be glorified, that your name will be magnified, that you will be exalted, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for boldness, oh God. I thank you for courage, oh God, among your saints, oh God, like we've never had, oh God. Thank you for courage and a leading by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, you told us in Proverbs 3 and 5 to trust in you with all our hearts. To lean not to our own understanding, oh God. Our own understanding says to walk in fear. Our own understanding says to doubt you, oh God. Our own, our, our own understanding, oh God, say, says we don't know what's going on, oh God. But we know what's going on because your word speaks of these times, oh God. In the name of Jesus, you said that pestilence, disease, famine may come, but they're only birth pains of the end. They're not the end. They're, but you're getting us prepared, oh God. You're causing us to get our house in order. Just ask Cornelius, oh God. You told him to get his house in order, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, oh God, for causing us to get our houses in order, oh God. Our personal walks with you, oh God. Cause us to get our walk with you right, oh God. Hallelujah, oh God. Lord, increase our faith in this hour, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, oh God. Because we will look to the hill which comes our help. Our help comes from you, oh God. Creating the heavens and the earth, our help comes from you, oh God. We thank you for miracles, oh God. We thank you for saying, speaking miracles in this season, yes, oh God. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray that no one lacks, oh God. In this house, oh God. I pray that no one lacks, oh God. Food, oh God, will not run out, oh God. Money will not run out. Hallelujah. I buy lack in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for miracles, oh God. Happen among those who know you and call you Lord, oh God. Your saints all across this city, oh God. No matter the church, oh God. I thank you for miracles happening in their lives, Father. I thank you, oh God, that we will shine as light and darkness, oh God. I thank you, oh God. Oh God, oh God, that no saint would lack, oh God. That I would, as the fish and the loaves of bread was multiplied, oh God, you increase us so we be the ones sowing and giving and sowing those seeds, oh God, that many would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Why? By because of our witness in this season. Thank you for us being a witness, oh God. Thank you for us being a light, oh God. In the name of Jesus, you chose to trust in you with all our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. You said, but in all our ways acknowledge you. And you will direct our paths, oh God. Guide us by your Holy Spirit in this season, oh God. Guide us, oh God. Comfort us by your Holy Spirit as we comfort one another. As the Holy Spirit comfort us, let us comfort one another. Let us encourage one another. Let us pick up the phone and call our sister, call our brother to build them up in the faith, oh God. In the name of Jesus, oh, we bind fear today, God. We thank you for faith, hallelujah. We thank you for faith, oh God, in you, oh God. 
Hallelujah. 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 We thank you for healing miracles in this season, oh God. Even as we're minds in the hospital with Sean, oh God. As the hospital is locked down, thank you for giving her favor to be able to stand beside her husband, oh God. And we thank you for raising them up, oh God. Oh God, we thank you for raising them up, oh God. Miss Minnie, thank you for healing her of the cancer, oh God. Hallelujah, God. Oh, all those who are sick, Alvin, oh God. So many that are sick among us, oh God. Thank you for healing, Lord. Your miracles happen, oh God. Thank you for your miracles having notable miracles happening in this season, oh God. No lack among your saints, oh God. No lack, oh God. No fear, oh God. We will cause those things that are not as though they were. We will speak it out of our mouths. We will speak faith, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And oh God, everyone in social media today, everyone watching online, Lord, I thank you, oh God, that their hearts would be encouraged, oh God. Not to walk in fear, That's not right. to walk in lack, but glory, to be encouraged. Glory, Hallelujah. Know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is the God in us than he that is in the world. Thank you for your protection, oh God. No sickness will come near us, oh God. Thank you for covering us in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, oh God, for covering us in your blood, oh God. Covering us, oh God. Protect us with your angels, oh God. And I speak encouragement, oh God, to those watching online, oh God. Thank you for their hearts being encouraged. Thank you for strength on today. Thank you for strengthening your word. Thank you for strength to strengthen someone else, oh God. And I bind the spirit of fear. And I speak faith, oh God. And I pray, oh God, that we will stand still and know that you are God. Stand still and see your salvation. Stand still and see your strength. Stand still and see your power. And I thank you, God, for speaking to us even as we're at home. Those things that we've been trying to get done. <laughs> as Pastor Stephen said, Lord, don't let us waste time or pass the time. But, Lord, let us accomplish those goals. Amen. That book that we've been trying to write, oh, God. Those things that we've been trying to get done, let us get it done. Thank you for this time of just a pause, just an interruption of our schedule so you can get the glory and your miracles can happen and they'll be visible to all. We give you glory on and praise. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, somebody say amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor Sharon. Listen, I just want to take a few moments and I'm going to close this message. I, I just feel like there's just a couple of things that need to be conveyed, that need to be conveyed. Take your seats. Let's go to Acts chapter 10 just real quick. Acts 10. Let me give you a little bit of something to go home on, something to remind you, all right? Just for the few next few, few moments. Once again, Acts 10, and we've already read verse 1 through 5. But I want to talk to you about Cornelius, and I want to remind you the type of caliber, the type of caliber, the type of, the, the type of background that Cornelius had. And for the next few moments, and in fact, uh, I think I can do this in about 12 minutes, all right? I really want you to focus just for the next few moments on two things. Focus on the goals, the accomplishments, the things that you've been trying to get done and couldn't because of busyness, because of, of, of time restraints. Number two, I want you to think about those that are in your home, those that are around you, whether they're family, loved ones, close friends, neighbors. I want you to keep them in your minds at the same time, all right? So when we look at, when we look at Acts chapter 10, what do we know about Cornelius, right? What do we read? I don't want to add anything to the text, 
But when you look at Acts 10, once again, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion. We know that. He was of the Italian regiment. He's an Italian background. We know that. He and his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those that were in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Now, um, one of the first stops we, we always take when we go to Israel is right there. We stay near Tel Aviv. We stay near the airport, and that would be um, Joppa, right? And right, right, right below Joppa or right above Joppa, Tel Aviv, but about 30 minutes north on the coastline, you come to Caesarea. Now, don't confuse Caesarea Philippi, which is way in the north uh, Golan Heights area of Israel, and Caesarea on the coast. Caesarea on the coast is where this story takes place. We hear about a man who's not Jewish, by the way. He's, he's, from, he's from Italy. He's from Italy, but he's, he's planted in Israel um, uh, because obviously of Rome, Roman, Roman leadership. So you see the colonization of why Cornelius would have been in this seacoast town. Now, um, Corne uh, 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 Caesarea, what do we know about Caesarea? Caesarea would be the Las Vegas of our day and time. It was one of uh, Herod's, the king, Herod, it was one of the king's prized cities uh, that he created and made out of his honor. Um, it was a place of debauchery. It would have been a place of gambling, a place of loose lifestyles. I mean, you really need to go home and do a deep dig on Caesarea in that day and time. Uh, but here's where the story takes place. And we see this man named Cornelius. Now, what do we know about Cornelius? Uh, Cornelius was not what you and I would call saved. He, would not, he wouldn't be what you and I would call saved. We, we, we couldn't call him a born-again believer, not at this time, just yet. Um, so the question might be asked, what do we do with people like Cornelius that we know today? They're good people. He prays, so he's devout. He's got some religious activity going on in his life. He's got a pretty decent family. And guess what? He's a pretty nice, generous giver. He, he doesn't mind giving. And you know people like that. They don't have a clue who God is. They don't know, join nobody's church, never been baptized. But they're really generous people. We know people like that. That would have been Cornelius. So again, he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't Jewish. Um, but he wasn't a pagan either. He wasn't a heathen. He wasn't ungodly. Um, was he religious? Maybe. Was he seeking something higher? Maybe. Was he spiritually desiring more? Probably so. Okay? Um, this COVID-19 does not have to shut you down completely. And I want to talk to you about that. Number one, I want to give you three things to ponder in the next 10 minutes of what you could be doing right now. Right now. And I'm trying to minister to this to whether you're 70, 80, or 90, online, or you are in your teens and you're still making it through junior high and high school. How do we maximize this time? The one word that came to me early this week was opportunity. This is a very opportunistic time. Thank you, Pastor Sharon, for praying. As you were praying, I could feel the urge and the sense of, yes, we should capitalize on this time. All right? I love movies. I love TV. But I'm not going to allow TV and movie to binge watch, looking at the clock, wondering when we can go and finally get back to normal. For those of you that play video games, nothing wrong with a video game here and there, but to spend six, seven, eight hours a day playing videos, won't get you anywhere, okay? Don't laugh at the young people because we all get games on our phone. Solitaire, Blackjack, Spades, uh, Sudoku, whatever, whatever little game. Be careful of those time consumers. 
Three things. Number one, have a vision. Two, preach the gospel. Three, reach with realness. I want to talk about those three things real quick because you must hear me. Please hear me clearly. Uh, let me talk to those that are online, all right? Pastor Tim, I hope you're doing a good job. I know you are, Pastor Tony. Thank you for being online. You can submit your prayer request. You can ask your questions. If you have need in your home, and if by any chance we can minister to that need, hit us up online. There's a chat room. You can inbox us. Whatever you need to do to connect, please, no shame, no fear, no hesitation. And as best as we can do, we can't promise the world, but the little bit we have, the little bit we might be able to, le to leverage, we're going to try to be a blessing however we can. Until that time, please hear me. I beg of you to understand these thoughts. Number one, you do not have to just ride this thing out and wait till it passes. We are at home what I call the instant new Sabbath, a time of rest, a time to reflect, and maybe now the time to reset. What do you mean? Number one, this is the time to rethink your priorities, your perspectives, and your purposes. This should be a quality time. Again, ain't got a lot of stuff competing with your time right about now other than working from home. But when you punch out, and instead of going and doing what you normally would do for those other four, five, six hours a day, that's the perfect time to reset. Rethink your priorities. Now's the time to rethink credit scores, bills, writing letters, leveraging situations. I heard my wife say something about, listen, there's got to be at least 10 of you in this room who've been trying to write a book for the last 10 years. It's got to, it's got to be at least 10 of you in this room. All right, ain't but 12 here, but nevertheless. Uh, uh, <laughs> you've been wanting to write a book. Now is the time. Hello. Praise the Lord. Some of you, you've been wanting to do spring cleaning since spring 2010. Now is the time. You've been wanting to get so much in order. Rethink, reset your priority, perspectives, and purposes. Number two, watch this. I think this is a golden opportunity to be inquisitive, introspective, innovative, and creative. There's nothing like the stillness of the hour. I love, going, I love every once in a while reminding myself what Psalm 23 says. Uh, uh, it's so very familiar. Matter of fact, I think it's too familiar. And because it's so familiar, we lose the, 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 the punch and, 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 and the, the muscle behind Psalm 23. Uh, does this sound familiar to you? Does this sound familiar? Watch this. Um, uh, here, here we go. Uh, listen closely. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you have to know, by the way, because he's Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd, you don't have to lack anything in this season. Okay? Let me say it again. You don't have to lack anything and the, now you may have to really rethink, again, inventory. You may have to really rethink the ultimate or the overage use of things that now you may want to preserve. But the Lord is our shepherd. We, but here's what I love. Watch this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Could he be making you right now lie down? Because normally you would not. But he has a way of making you lie down and green pastures. Why? Because there he leads me beside what kind of waters? What kind of waters? Still waters. He has a purpose there. He leads me beside the still waters because it's there my soul is restored. Number one, here's what you do in this season. You should be reading 
the word like never before. Okay? If you got to go online and purchase a, a very user-friendly study Bible guide, buy or, or get a Bible or download an app or something that makes the King James uh, a very contemporary, understandable version, now's that time. Get a great concordance or, or, or a, uh, a Bible that has plenty of, of commentary. So you can go deeper in your study. If there's ever been a time to have quiet time with the Lord and pray, now is the time. He leads me by the still waters. There he restores my soul. In fact, he leads me down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. What is the path of righteousness? Well, what is righteousness? It's right standing with God, right standing before God. Let me take a little quick inspection of my life. God, let me examine me for a moment. Where am I at right now in my life? My prayer time, my, my reading, my, my compromise, my sins, my transgressions, my iniquities. I mean, what needs to really be worked on in this season? Let's keep reading. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, we've been reading that all our lives, and we thought we were there one or two times. But, hey, are we not really kind of in the valley of the shadow? We're not in death, but in the shadow, some people are dying, dying epically by the numbers. The shadow of death. But guess what? I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's Jehovah Shammah. He's the Lord present, the Lord near. Now, this is no time to condemn those who don't have God. This is no time, as I told you so, uh, you need to get saved in this season so you can be under the cover. No, 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 no. no. Watch this, watch this. He, 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 the Bible says that I will fear no evil for thou art with me. There ought to be a benefit. There ought to be something that the saints can hold true to. People don't like when I tell, remind people that Psalm 91 is not a promise for everybody. Psalm 91 are for those who made God their set, who made God their God, who set their affection upon him, who made his habitation their dwelling place. I called it two weeks ago, and guess what? Psalm 91 right now is the most popular uh, uh, verse being downloaded on the Internet. Everybody who don't even know the Bible want to go find Psalm 91. It's kind of like years ago when the prayer of Jabez came out. Everybody wanted the prayer of Jabez. Forget Jesus, we wanted the prayer of Jabez. Forget the church, we want Jabez. Because it was a popular religious, spiritual thing to do. Now with the threat and the looming threat of shutdowns and the looming threat of unemployment and money and sicknesses, everybody want to, want to quote Psalm 91. But if you read Psalm 91, it comes out the gate saying, for those who made God. I don't know why I'm in a hurry. Uh, there, there are no games for you all to be at today. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me, help me, Jesus, help me. All right, listen, listen, watch this real quick. Watch this, Psalm 91. I was in Psalm 23, but now Psalm 91, okay? Uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Right? We don't, we can't afford, we don't have the luxury of, of picking and choosing which scripture we're going to believe, which scripture we're not going to believe. You got to honor all of God's word, right? Uh, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, and my God, him I will trust. Now I can quote the benefits. Now I can take it promise. Now, verse 3, surely he will deliver me from the snare. What is a snare? A snare is a pre-made set man trap that man puts in, throw in front of you. He delivers me from whatever trap that man puts in your way for failure. He delivers you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. There it is. 
Everyone now wants to know what a pessimist is. Well, I wrote my Bible a long time ago that a pessimist is something that comes in a drastic form. It's not just a head cold, as you know. It's not just the flu, as you know. But this thing here is unprecedented. But God said, I made a promise that if you'd make me your God and you'd live under my shadow, you could claim these scriptures. You could have full claim to these promises. You should not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence, sickness, disease that walks in darkness. But all of this technology, with all of the money, we don't have an answer as of today. We saw this coming months and months and months ago. They said the prior administration had a game plan in place because of their pestilence they dealt with. Should have been easily transferred. But when you are a child of God, there's a promise that you can take advantage of. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand. But it shall not come near you. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Here's what he gave us, power, love, and a sound, safe-thinking mind. Only with your eyes will you see the reward of the wicked. Only with the eyes will you see the reward of the wicked. You know, we had a Bible study a, few, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't, I don't remember what setting we were in, but we were talking about the word repentance. Oftentimes when you hear the word repentance, and I'm almost finished, when you hear the word repentance, you think about, you think about, um, you know, an altar call. You think about an emotional draw. But repentance is more than a Sunday morning activity. Repentance should be more guilt or shame in the middle of the night. Repentance is, is, is not act as much as it is a decision. Repentance means to turn, to rethink, to reevaluate. And if there's ever been a season of repentance, not just for the world, but repentance in the church, to recalibrate, to re-engineer, to rethink what we do and why we do it, and make a decision to turn. Jesus had that conversation when the Tower of Shalom fell on those innocent people. His answer to them was, hey, this is really not the time to empathize or be in sympathy, but change the way you live. Because tomorrow's not promised. When the Galileans' blood was killed and spilled and, and, and drank and, and all of the horrible things happened, Luke chapter 13, 1 through 3, again, you would have thought it'd be a great time to bring the mourners out and cry and just have a wailing party. No, Jesus said, here's what you do from this track situation. Go home, think about what's going on in your world, and make some changes for the better. That's what his answer was to the church. That's what our answer should be for one another. Real quick, here are the three things I want to give you real quick, okay? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, here we go. Um, number one, this is the time for you to rethink priorities, perspectives, and purposes. Number two, a time to be inquisitive, introspective, innovative, and creative. You've been wanting to start a business, now's the time. You've been wanting to incorporate, now's the time. You've been wanting to really rethink about some, some, a side hustle or a side business. Now's the time. Now's the time. Because here's the reality. Six months from now, you may need that side hustle money. No one's an amen. The reality is six months from now, 
You may need those gifts and those skill sets to work. They say that necessity is the mother of all inventions. Is that, is that how the statement goes? We may be in a season soon where the necessities may literally be the help and the answer you need a year from now. We don't know, but we cannot sit still or we cannot play it cool and just afford to just ride this thing out. Number three, this is the time to reestablish an altar in your home. Okay, let's, let's, let's bring it home. In fact, bring it home. This is the time to reestablish an altar in your home. What do you mean by that? Seeking salvation and spiritual growth for not only you, but for your close family loved ones. And this is where I want to bring it back to Cornelius just for a moment. Cornelius is minding his own business, but God gives him a revelation. God sends an angel. And I just kind of wonder, because he was a devout man and he prayed regularly, you know, what, what, I just kind of wonder what would, what would have happened if Cornelius wouldn't, didn't have a regular prayer life. We've said for the last couple of weeks, you need to stay prayed up so you don't have to go get prayed up. Stay prayed up so you don't have to go get prayed up. What would have happened if Cornelius was so busy with his army, regiment, Italian order, and he's so busy with his kids, and he's so busy with this, so busy with that? I wonder could God have gotten him a message. But this day, God says, Cornelius, I have seen the way you give to the poor and help others, and I've also heard your prayers. You know what? In fact, it has become an offering to me. It's become a memorial offering to me. And God says, I want to do something special for you. I won't give you all the details today, but we'll close out looking at the latter part of chapter 10 because something very phenomenal happens to Cornelius because of his commitment, his walk with God, and because of the things he did. Three things I want you to do today. Number one, have a vision for your home. Have a vision for your home. Now it's the time to kind of wipe the dust off the vision statement. Go back and look at it. Have you really accomplished the things that you said you would accomplish January 1? In fact, like most of you are, you can go on your laptop, now your phone, and date yourself back to this time last year. What has really accomplished since this time last year? Sometimes I love and sometimes I hate those memories on Facebook. Four years ago, you were doing this. Ten years ago, you were doing that. This year, two years ago. Sometimes it's very pleasant. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's painful. But what have you accomplished in the last 10, 12 months? Right? Maybe you need to go back and rethink the value of having a vision in your home. And I think vision has more than just money and nice cars and houses and things you want to accomplish. But vision is, how do I want my kids to be? Here's my prayer to God every morning. These pastors, God, thank you for the time my kids are home. Now, they got their own lives. I give them their privacy. They do what they do. But, man, we, we, you know, we live in a small apartment, and it's like, man, Jesus, Lord, have mercy. Right? Uh, yeah. Hallelujah. But I wouldn't trade it right now for the world. Right? Everybody getting all teary-eyed. Oh, the kids are going to leave. You're going to be empty nesters. Oh, you're going to be so sad. Oh, what are we going to do? Now they're home. Guess what? We ain't crying and sad no more. We're trying to figure out how we're going to keep food in this house. Hmm? But the time, the touch, and the talk with your children. Now's the time to recalibrate and strengthen your marriage conversations, things that you got so busy on. I really believe, number one, have a vision for your home. Have a picture of what tomorrow should look like. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision in your home, your family perishes. When there's no vision in the church, the people perish. Acts 2.17, in those days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Have you really as of lately, what tomorrow needs to look like for your home. Vision is important. The vision is influencing. 
and the vision brings an impact. What do you mean by that? The importance of the vision. Where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. The influence of a vision. A vision must be clear, concise, and compelling. Number three, the impact of a vision. Your vision should produce energy, and your vision should produce passion. Said it a thousand times. I'll say it again before I close. If you can't see it, you'll never seize it. If you can't behold it, you'll never become it. Now's the time to go back and look at the vision for your home, a vision for your family, a vision for your income, a vision for your retirement. Number two, preach the gospel. What type of gospel should we preach? We should preach the gospel of God's kingdom. We should preach the gospel that Jesus preached. And that gospel simply says this, he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. As you watch your movies and watch your documentaries and watch your Netflix and as you have conversation from CNN and Fox News and the like, now is a great time to talk about the end days, the latter time. You don't want to talk about them? Guess what? Your kids want to talk about them. They don't want to hear from Reverend so-and-so, and they don't want to hear from Bishop so-and-so. They want to hear from you. They'll pull up Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 in a heartbeat. And what will we say as parents, as Christians, as Sunday school teachers? You know, as my wife was praying, she reminded us, as the scriptures say, that, you know, when you have these pestilences and diseases and wars and rumors of wars and, and, and earthquakes and all that, that, Jesus clearly said, it's not the end of days, it's the beginning of the end of days. Even then he used the word age. He didn't say it was the end of time. He said it's the end of this age. So it could be a dispensation of time that opens the door for another time. We don't know what life looks like this time next year. We really don't. But here's what we do know. It is the birthing pains and the tremors that says, be ye also ready. No man knows the day or the hour, the return of the Son of Man. That is true. No one knows but God. But here's what we do know. We need, we need to be ready. Have our house in order. So uh, the Bible says, well, not the Bible, excuse me. Point number two, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My question I've often asked is, do we have an anointing and a grace for those that are poor, downtrodden, and, and outcast? Those who are confused, those who are convoluted and, and going through dark times, do we have a gospel for them? You have family members right now in your home, right now within your reach, groups of 10 or less. Some of them really would like to know more about Jesus Christ. And the time to the iron wire hot. At the same time, we should have a gospel for the rich, for the wealthy, for those who say, oh, this thing will pass, I'm okay, I've got plenty stored up. Well, Paul says, Timothy, here's the gospel you preach to those who are rich among you. Teach and tell them, do not put your trust in chariots or horses. Do not put your trust in man-made things. Our trust is in God. Command those who are rich, always be ready to give and willing to share. Because you and I both know it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. So do we have that grace and that anointing for those in our homes, in our communities? Finally, reach with realness, relevance, and relationship. Let me go back to small groups for a moment. What, I, what, I'm, what I'm seeing with small groups is not just the time to get together and, and just have a, a, a wonderful check on each other time, but, but can someone lead a, a, a really concise Bible study? Can someone just have a moment of prayer? Can someone check on someone, not with a text, not with an email, but with a phone call? Hey, how you doing? Is there anything we can be doing for you right now? Can we be in prayer with you about anything? In fact, do you need any errands run? Just want to check on you to make sure in this season you're not alone. To me, that's the value of small groups. We want to make sure you're not frustrated or having, you know, um, a mental, uh, emotional, silent issues. No inner frustrations. Because a, a lot of times some people just need to talk. They just need someone to talk to. And they assume somebody else is talking to them. But if we make sure that we ensure and inspect what we expect through small groups, we can minister to those in this relationship. 
The Bible says in Acts 10, 24, and that following day, they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was waiting for them, and they called his relatives and his close friends. They called on the relatives and close friends. Here's my closing, and here's my conclusion. Let's take this season, whether it's the next two weeks, two months, or maybe even a year. Let's get those close friends, and let's get those relatives, and let's minister to them. What do you mean? Reach out to them, okay? Yes, we talk politics. Yes, we talk NFL. Yes, we talk money. But let's talk about the, G, the Jesus that we love and serve and honor. Let's bring him to the forefront of a conversation about how is your life with Jesus? One of the things I'm trying to accomplish, I don't have all the answers right now, but I'm praying, God, if we got to go to online service for, for a season, let's make it a campaign that souls will get saved online. Let's start with 20. Let's go to 40. Let's believe God. Man, if we had, if we had 100 homes, we had two guests in that home, can you imagine the numbers that will be reported if there was a very concise, simple altar call? Can you imagine if someone, instead of just watching it on their phone, they put it on a surround sound and put it on a big 70-inch TV at home, loud and clear, and everybody in the house could hear? Can you imagine what the enemy meant for evil? Could very well be God's way of multiplying the message throughout the world. Think about it, boy. Just think about it for a moment. Think about this for a moment. What we are so uncomfortable doing and thinking of could be God's platform and his opportunity for you and I to be the Cornelius of our home. Because here's what the Bible says in closing. The Bible says this. While Peter was still speaking at the house of Cornelius, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were in the house, or all who heard the word. And those who were of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many who had come with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. What are you saying? Everybody who was in the house got blessed. Everybody who was in his home got saved. Everybody who was with Cornelius came to know the Lord Jesus even the more. Now is a most opportunistic time I think the church has, but I think this is an opportunistic time for you in your personal life, your financial life, your educational life, your, 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 your career, your hobbies, your devotion, your spiritual life. These next few weeks can be a beautiful opportunity for you to advance the kingdom, but also advance the things that you've been desiring to do. My prayer for you is this, that God would use you to bring healing and deliverance and comfort and joy to those that are around you because of the circumstances that we're under. I want to say thank you again for joining us. What a joy it is to be able to come into your home, come on your laptop, come on your iPad, your cell phone. On the behalf of my wife, Pastor Sharon, and all of the saints and friends of the City Church, I just want to say thank you. You know, today I pray that something you heard in this message stirred your heart provoked your faith and blessed your soul. I believe with all my heart that God sent his word and his word brings healing, deliverance, and breakthrough. Here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to pray with you. I want you to know there's nothing too hard for God. In fact, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. The Bible reminds us that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. And you know what? About 30 plus years ago, God came into my life as a freshman on an HBCU college campus, and I'm saved, sanctified, filled with God's precious Holy Spirit after all these years. Why? Because God's been faithful. He made a promise 
to his word, a promise to his covenant, a promise to me. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sins, you say, Pastor Mike, I'm a good person. I'm really a nice guy. I'm a great girl, but I just don't know Jesus and the pardon of my sins. I'd like to pray for you. And after all of these years, I've often instructed that salvation is as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus lived he died, he was buried, three days later, he rose again. See, commit your life, commit your heart to Jesus. After those ABCs, admit, believe, and commit. I believe that God comes into your life and you are a brand new creation, a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I am a sinner and I wanna get my heart right. I wanna give my life completely to serving you. I do believe in my heart and I confess today with my mouth that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, the living one. I wanna commit my life to serving him and being all that I can be as a child of God. I receive today the gift of salvation into my heart, into my mind, into my soul, that my sins would be forgiven and that I will be washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit that I may be a brand new Christian. I thank you for salvation. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you for a brand new life. In the name of Jesus, we ask and we pray. Amen. My dear friend, you may not realize this, but that is the prayer of salvation. Again, it's a very simple process, simple prayer. Now, it will cost you to live this Christian life. But the Bible reminds us that greater is he that is in he, you, or greater is he that is in me, than he that is in the world. Listen, if you're in the Huntersville, that is the Charlotte, North Carolina area, we'd love for you to visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. sharp, for a dynamic worship experience. If you can't be in the area, join us online, www.mycitychurchonline.com. In fact, I'd like for you to email me write me. We want to send you some information on the decision you just made to serve the Lord. Maybe you're rededicating or recommitting your life to the Lord. We want to make sure that you can grow as a born-again, committed believer. Again, I can't thank you enough for allowing us to be in your world on this day. May heaven smile upon you and may the Lord richly bless you. I'm Dr. Michael Anthony Stevens. On the behalf of all of the saints and friends of City Church, we say welcome Congratulations and God bless.